So episode 344, this is uh, another, getting close to, I don't know, something big, maybe 350 episodes. It's a lot of episodes and uh, still proudly sponsored by patrons and by just you guys supporting it. If you want to support us with Patreon or merch or whatever you want to do, that's great. But if you just want to make sure you give us a good positive feedback, that works really well. Or you can be part of the show and send us a question. Send us a topic. We can't guarantee we'll get to all of them. Heck, we can't even guarantee we'll get to more than 10% of them, but we do cherry pick out the ones that seem the most interesting to the community. We will never be upset if you send us multiple times. I mean, not in the same week, but you know, if a couple weeks go by and you don't hear it, send it again. Keep that email and repost it to me. See if it gets it back on my radar. All of that is on the www.knowyourgearpodcast website. All right, let's get to the show. Should we? Shall we? Shall we? Should we? Here we go. The Know Your Gear Podcast. Okay, this one's from Steve who says, Hey, Phil, I watch your podcast every Saturday morning with my coffee, but here's my first question. When you were getting 15 plus views, no, he means 15,000, 15,000, 15K plus views per podcast, does it bother you that you only get 1,000 likes? Are people too lazy to hit the like button? I like how he says they're too lazy. Or do they really not like it? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Okay, I do know the answer, by the way. Or does it mean anything in the end? Does it even bother you? Oh, interesting. That's a really interesting question. Thank you, first of all, for asking. And and so uh, so that's really cool. So yeah, the live show, which is nice because uh, this is a recent question. So yes, the show used to get like 15,000. Now this show averages, I think, 50,000 views on YouTube. You'll see an average show is about 30,000 and we peak up 100,000 somewhere in there. Um, and yes, we get, comparatively speaking, we don't get a whole lot of likes. <laughs> Maybe it's because people don't like it. Um, does it bother me? It doesn't affect me at all in any way, shape, or form. And here is why. Uh, so thank you, Steve, for the question. And I, I think it was a real uh, heartful question. You just want to see like, you know, how, how you know, what's the effect of that? Um, here is the interesting part, uh, Steve. This show is uh, sponsored by Patreon and channel members and Super Chats. So we're entirely fan-funded. So what that means is, is I don't really care if the channel grows, the pod, if the podcast grows. Okay, the channel is different. I know this is on the channel, but you understand this is a show on YouTube and on iTunes and Spotify and all this stuff. Um, the, the, um, if I had a a uh what do you call it a sponsor like a company i'm sure they'd want the channel to grow and if it didn't grow in other words if i didn't grow the community and the views and the likes and all that stuff then they might not stay um but the viewers support this and because they support this uh it doesn't really matter <laughs> Does it make sense? Um, uh, it, it, and what I mean by it is it doesn't matter to me if it gets one like or if it gets 3,000 likes or whatever it gets um, because it doesn't really affect the sponsors, which are viewers, this, the viewership. Um, so I basically kowtow. Like if I had a, a corporate sponsor, a company, I would kowtow to them, right? I would say, hey, what is it that you would make you happy if I did? And they, you know, but as a viewership sponsorship uh, system, I really kind of think about the viewership and the viewership just cares that, uh, I don't know what they care about. <laughs> it's just, I guess that I do the show. So I just do the show. So growth isn't something that's interesting. Um, things to know, interestingly enough, about uh, the this show. Uh, yes, we average, uh, like I said here on YouTube, about 45, 50,000 views per episode. It's very impressive. But something you never hear on YouTube ever is uh, about 54% 
of the people who watch this show right now are subscribed. That is absolutely not the norm. Uh, you guys hear it all the time, I'm sure, from every YouTuber all the time. Only 10% of you are subscribed, so please hit the subscribe button. Notice on the live shows, I never say subscribe, like. I don't really care. <laughs> the way it works is there's about a thousand people collectively, not uh, that uh, sponsor this show. When you think about the super chats, the patrons and the channel members, and really they seem to dig it. And as long as they seem to dig it, I keep doing it. And the rest of you guys just join in and we kind of just all hang in. And, and uh, trust me, no patron or member or super chat person's ever said, Phil, get your ass in gear and get more views uh, so we can sell more nothing. Right. Um, so yeah. So that's probably why uh, the, so in other words, uh, Steve, what I'm trying to tell you is one of the reasons that the likes are so low is I don't solicit the likes. You're not going to get something you don't ask for. So I don't solicit a likes and I don't solicit uh, subscriptions on the show. Uh, you know, please like and subscribe, please, please. Uh, and so therefore, you know, people aren't really called to action to do something that they don't even get asked to do. So there you go. That answers the question. It's a very, it's a very cool thing, if in my opinion, that it works like this. Um, and uh, I like it so much, though, that, again, I'm very upfront with everybody, as always. But I mean, by upfront with everybody, I mean the patrons, that at this size of the show, uh, a corporate sponsor would probably pay more than what we collectively get from, from patrons and stuff. But again, who cares, right? This is great. Uh, I don't have to worry about Monday going, oh, I can't once they hear what I said on Monday, they're not going to be happy. So there you go. Um, thank you. Great, great. Great question. Um, the next one from Gerald says, Hey, Phil, what recommendation do you have for someone that wants to get started with an HX stomp or similar modelers? I know nothing uh, about any of the options. Uh, I'm a bedroom player. So here's the great thing. This is totally the philosophy of the know your gear. <laughs> the know your gear philosophy has always been and will always be that it's important to know how to use a piece of gear more so than it is to have a nice piece of gear, right? So when people covet that better piece of uh, a tech or guitar, that better playing guitar, better brand, hi the hierarchy, really, it doesn't really matter if you can't use the piece of gear you have in an effective way. So um, Gerald, here's what I would recommend to you to do. Um, I would look at some of the modelers out there. Uh, I like what Zoom does. I love Boss for modeling. When it comes to just totally someone who's creating tech that's made for easy peasy, you know, transition. In other words, if you know how to turn some knobs on a pedal or an amp, you are good to go with a Boss tech. You're good to go with uh, a, a zoom pedal. Um, you can definitely check out Head Rush, which is pretty straightforward. It's it's a touch screen. It looks like an iPad stuck to a modeler. It's pretty straightforward. I would say the HX Stomp, I would say is probably one of the easier tech uh, modelers to use. I would say it's uh, definitely in my easy category, but not as easy as the other ones I just recommended. But what I mean is don't spend a lot of money. Try to find a basic inexpensive one. You can find a great modeler for $200 out there, especially used. Go old. Get an old, older unit, you know, something that's a little outdated, just a little bit. Let, you know, kind of break in your, 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 you know, your chops with that. Learn to figure out what you like about it, what matters to you. The thing about modelers is, and it's been my problem with modeler, modelers my whole life is, they give you 6,000 sounds and I'm only looking for three. And so it doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means I'm always overspending on all modelers. 
I, you know, the, the giving me 200 different effects when I only use four <laughs> is a little overkill for me. So I tend to focus on the modelers that to my ears sound the best because I don't care how much bells and whistles it has. I just care how good the quality of the tone tones, the sounds I'm getting out of it is. Um, but maybe the opposite, maybe you want to basically create a, a big, you know, kind of blockchain, I guess, chain of effects and maybe, you know, something more elaborate, but I would start something easy. Um, you know, and there's going to be tons of people in this chat right now saying, Hey, cause the, you know, it's how we are about, we're passionate. They're going to say, I love my, and you know what? And they know who you are. Cause like they said, there, a lot of them are bedroom players or we're bedroom players or beginners in this. And, and same thing, they're going to suggest a lot of units like me. I would just keep it easy. Um, I'd keep it, you know, ah, somebody says, Al John, Hey, Al John go. Al John says, I still have my line six pod 2.0. See, right. The, 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 the pod 2.0 is a fantastic stuff, uh, unit. Um, it's, it sounds, it still sounds good. I think it still holds up. It's not as, you know, it's not as good as some of the newer sounds, but it's still great. Um, when I interviewed the, uh, the owner of two notes, uh, he was saying that's where he came up with the idea of doing all the two notes products because uh, he had that unit and he thought it sounded good, but not great. And so he thought maybe if it added speaker uh, emulation, he would improve the sound. Um, so like I said, I would go with something, you know, and if you're like, if you're into computers, get some, get a software, but like I said, keep it easy and just learn it in and out. Uh, learn all the effects, learn all the things, at least learn all the stuff you want to learn from it. So that's what I would, that's my recommendation to you. Um, Jeremy says, hey, Phil, wondering why late 70s Fenders and Gibsons are so popular and have doubled in price on the used market. I always thought those were the bad quality years. Uh, you know, that's what they always say, right? Um, you know, there's a ton of reasons why they're, they're worth a lot and they're popular. First of all, you have to understand that, um, you know, the generation that loved and coveted the guitars in the 50s and 60s that they wanted when they were teenagers, um, that still happens, at, you know, to the next generation. So the generation that, you know, yes, is the Fenders from this and the Gibsons from the 70s not as, you know, not supposed to be as quality, whatever the issues are, um, as other models. Um, yeah, but I mean, if you wanted it when you're 16 and you and you couldn't have it, it seems to be a, a, a theme that just constantly sees itself coming forward in the guitar community. You know, I always wanted this <laughs> and I couldn't get it. And it didn't help that most of us spent a lot of our time with our noses in magazines looking at ads, <laughs> right? Just like, oh, I wish I had it. So yeah, a lot of it, the value and the popularity and is that people just got older and they now have the money to buy it. And so they're gonna buy it. They're gonna buy that guitar that they always wanted. And because a lot more people want them versus God, you know, both 70s <laughs> Fenders and Gibsons, I mean, I want to say 10 years ago, it was probably closer to 20, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, man, you could pick them up for nothing, for nothing. In fact, I want to say it was the early 2000s when all of a sudden I started noticing like 70s era strats, all of a sudden picking up a little like all of a sudden a 70s strat was worth more than what a new strat was selling for. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe that. You know, and they would just start come up there, come up. The other thing is, of course, every, just like I would imagine, everything's like the car market and other collectible markets where, you know, when the vintage cars get t unobtainable and they're at the Barrett Jackson auction and nobody can afford them except for, you know, the, the very select few, then of course, some of the less collectible cars have to come up in value because that's where collectors, you know, that have some money, but not the mega money start buying. 
that that's it too but but um and then the whole you know the bad years the good years i don't know you know i've talked about this many times i'm not a huge vintage fan in the idea that i pick them up and i go they're great but <laughs> i've never like go oh i have to have this i don't know maybe I don't know. I don't have that in me. It doesn't click yet. And so, you know, even for the things that I coveted when I'm 16, when I was 16, um, I don't look back. And now that that stuff's, un, uh, you know, really expensive, I don't have I just immediately as soon as it's crazy expensive, I'm just not interested anymore. Everything's got to me like a, a limit to what its value is to me. Um, okay. So here's a great question. This one came from Davis. Davis says, hey, Phil, when I was looking at a specific signature guitar, I realized that usually Gibson gives their younger players Epiphone signature, which makes me wonder if those will be the collectibles, the collectibles that hold value in the future. Um, if you look at artists like Slash or Kirk Hammett, they do everything from Murphy Lab down to Epiphone, but other examples like Emily Wolf, who, by the way, is amazing. If you guys don't know Emily, she's super talented and uh and amazing uh where uh wait where there was never a gibson in any capacity hmm interesting um so a couple things so first of all it's not just age i mean obviously you know i'm i i love uh um uh i love marty schwartz and marty is a epiphone artist and you know he's he's my age we're the same age-ish uh and so uh, not young by any means. <laughs> so it, it's not just that too. Um, it it's uh, but yes, it tend it tends to be most companies. So first of all, it's not a Gibson Epiphone thing. Um, strategically, most companies are going to put younger artists with uh, more affordable guitars because younger people like younger artists. That's just how it works. Older, it's actually older people just don't you know they don't tend to collect new music they tend to covet old music so younger um younger people will gravitate towards a younger artist and just by the nature of unless you're just one of those lucky few that got a brand new car when you were 16 because you lived in those kind of neighborhoods the majority of us when you're 16 it's like saving up even for the base model epiphone or ibanez or squire is still uh, an eternity you know I, I once said um that uh, the guitar that I, I love and I coveted when I was 16 was the Ibanez Universe Swirl, and it was $1,000 brand new. It was $9.99 brand new. And to, at the time, it felt like it was a million dollars. And I'm not exaggerating. It, it just felt like who on the planet Earth has $1,000? That's what I remember thinking in the store. Like, what, what person? Like, I couldn't even comprehend at 16 that a person would have so much money <laughs> to buy a thing like that um, at, at all. So um, so you'll see that. Um, obviously, Marty, it's not his age. It's obviously his demographic. He has a huge beginner base. I mean, it's massive. Um, you know, um, I've hung out with Marty. You can't go anywhere without with Marty without somebody saying, like, I started my guitar journey because of you. You know, I mean, he's massive huge amounts of content teaching people how to play guitars so of course again younger players newer players and it, and and by the way we don't have to be specific on age we could be specific on time on grade so to speak so playing guitar for a year versus playing guitar for 10 years you're going to have different you know uh 
purchasing power for sure. Okay. Um, so that's kind of why they do it that way. Obviously Kirk Hammett and, um, and slash, they can inspire they, of course, they inspire us players who have been with them since, you know, their first Metallica and first Guns N' Roses album, all the way to the the 13-year-old the or 12-year-old that's discovering their music today, too. So they can, they have that power. Um, and the other thing to point out, too, is the ability to sell expensive guitars, in my, in my experience, is very hard. It's very, very, very few guitar players can sell those expensive guitars super expensive guitars and it has nothing to do so you know with how big of an artist they are it has to do with their their demographic of of people who are who who like them and also i, I don't know how to put it maybe the gravity of it so let me give you an example um when i think of players who sell expensive guitars it's everyone from Steve Stevens selling expensive nags. My buddy Larry Mitchell selling, you know, $6,000 nags. I mean, he's not selling a ton. Steve Stevens is not selling a ton. Not, not because of any other reason than just not a lot of people throwing out $6,000 for a guitar. But those guys, they just command that kind of market because the people that are into them are just into them at that level. Um, obviously, Petrucci selling really expensive guitars, you know. Um, so there's there's certain players that just can sell these expensive play uh, guitars. And it doesn't just have to be the guys who sell at the big arenas or the uh, the girls who sell at the big arenas. It can be just people who are, like I said, I, I guess I was saying gravity. Like I'm trying to say like their influence is just really powerful. There, there's a small group of people that like them, but the people who like them just like them. And we'll throw down that kind of money for a signature guitar. You guys can probably name a ton uh, of signature guitars that are very expensive, but artists that to be honest with you, most time you, you'd have to look them up. Like, I don't know who they are and I don't know why they have a, um, you guys know my favorite guitar player in the entire world is Monty Montgomery. I don't know if you know this and I don't know if I've ever told this story, but Monty Montgomery, by the way, I'll put a link when I do the timestamping, fa my favorite guitar players, no, no questions. He's my favorite guitar player in the, in the world. Number one. Um, how I discovered him was I was an Alvarez dealer. Alvarez carried, uh, carries or has a line of guitars called Yayiri, which are made in Japan, more expensive type acoustics. And the most expensive acoustic on the sell sheet was this thing called the Monty Montgomery acoustic. And it came beat up. And I don't mean like a little distressed. I mean, it comes like beat to crap, <laughs> right? And I looked at this and I went, who the hell is this guy? And the rep's like, it's Monty Montgomery. I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. And he goes, well, you should get one of his guitars. I go, and at the time, I think they were $3,300. So we're talking 2007. So $3,300 for an acoustic guitar from a year he made in Japan. Maybe it's 38, but it was, you know, 33 is what I remember street being. Um, and at the time, next to the music, our store, the guitar store, was a music store It was a, like, that sold music. So I went over there and they had one Monty Montgomery CD it was used and I bought it and I put it in the store and I go, this guy's freaking amazing. <laughs> and we ordered his guitar and it became our number one selling acoustic. Um, well, not obviously, you know, of all acoustics because of the expense, but the number one selling Yeary, number one selling high-end acoustic. We would sell more of that high-end acoustic than any other model. And we were killing it with that because we all became fanatical about Monty. Um, so, so, I mean, you know, uh, Monty just, you know, he doesn't have an affordable... <laughs> You know, the whole this whole time he never had like a 199 acoustic because no one, 
no one who loves Monty really wants a $200 acoustic, right? If you want to buy an Monty acoustic, you want what he has. So that's what I'm saying. So, um, so that's why I would suggest or say why they're doing that stuff. Uh, Emily, same thing. Um, you know, she's, she's going to appeal to a much younger, uh, um, crowd. I, I, you know, she's younger. So I, I wouldn't have known her, believe it or not, how I met Emily was I was standing at the NAMM show, you know, luckily without my finger in my nose <laughs> and she walked up to me and she had some like an entourage but i later found out was her band and she said hey i just want to see if we can get a selfie and i was like i go why who uh, you must like who's your father that likes my channel <laughs> i thought maybe she's trying to impress her dad like look i met that guy you watch every week and uh, we did a selfie and then she said casually very casually i mean really like you if you weren't paying attention you would miss it she goes oh by the way i'm playing at three at the gibson booth today if you want to come check out my band and, she, and i go oh you have a band and she's like yeah this is my band right here i'm like oh so i went and checked her out that afternoon and she was amazing and i was like i'm a fan so um but yeah i mean obviously you know i'm an old dude so i wasn't her demographic at the time so that's why uh they probably hooked her up with epiphones to do that and maybe as she gets older she'll get to gibson because as her uh as her fan base ages they uh, finish college or, you know, they finally get that finally that good job after 10 years or whatever, you know, and um, I don't know. That seems like a long, long, long speech for all that, but I hope it made sense. Um, so let's go to the next one. <laughs> let's and I have a lot of early risers. So let me jump around because I don't want to keep hitting all the and they're not just early risers. Those are ones from the week, too. So let me go over here. If you don't mind, I'll just jump around. First, I want to address, somebody said that there's a lot of commercials. Yes, um, we're all, all, I would say all us YouTubers have been talking about trying to figure this out. As I told you guys, I, December 1st, YouTube changed some things. And one of the things they changed is they control the commercials in the videos now. And it's very problematic for us. Um, and um, so I, you know, I, I, like I said, we're all learning it, how to, you know, because obviously you don't want to go commercial free. That doesn't make any sense. But also I'm trying to figure out one thing I will tell you is we start a new service. It officially starts January 1st, but I actually just we start doing it uh, this week uh, today, actually, um, which is uh, we are now going to post this show on Patreon and soon to the channel members commercial free. So it's if you're a five dollar patron, you get um, the four podcasts that I do every month on this platform commercial free. But so, you know, I believe if you listen to it streaming on every streaming platform, it should be mostly commercial free. I say mostly because every once in a while I get a check for like $13. So I assume somebody's putting some commercials somewhere, but it shouldn't be a whole lot. And if it is, let me know because I sure don't get paid a whole lot for those considering how many streams I get. Um, let's do, let's do this uh, super chat real quick. This is from Al. He says, new guitar day, Fender gold foil, telly problem. Okay. Oh, that's good news, but sorry about the bad news. Buzzing does not stop when I touch the bridge of the strings. Okay. Well, we already know what the causing that uh, does stop when you touch the pickup controls, which confirms what I think is wrong in the first thing. This is my 10 other guitars stop when I touch the strings. Uh, why grounding question mark? Yeah, you have a grounding issue and there's a way for you to check that uh, very simply. So what happens is everything needs to essentially not everything, but 99% of everything needs to ground to the output jack. Okay. Um, and so that includes your bridge and your strings. So your bridge, uh, should have a wire, uh, that's, you know, going from it touching the plate, the bridge itself to the, um, uh, to the, uh, 
uh, controls, and then to the controls, obviously, everything ends and defeats to the output jack. There are two reasons why this can happen, by the way, and not and one is not what probably most people are used to, to thinking about. So um, the, 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 the way you want to diagnose the problem and fix it is, I find yourself a wire, um, a copper wire, right, would be great. Um, an old speaker wire, you just need a piece of wire, okay? You need two ends, right? Um, you could probably use a guitar string, but I wouldn't. I would use a wire. What I want you to do is take a, a wire, uh, strip it so that you have about two inches of, of, of copper or something, and either wrap it on something on the bridge or touch it to the bridge, maybe tape it with a piece of a painter's tape uh, so it doesn't mar the finish, tapes this wire to the bridge, and then go inside the cavity and then tape it. You don't have to solder, just tape it, stick it to something that's grounded, and see if that fixes the problem. And that means that there's the wire that's underneath your bridge that's supposed to be touching your bridge to that to those electronics is either not touching the bridge or missing, obviously, if you can't find it. Um, that should save you, uh, that should be able to have, you know, you can diagnose that way. You can, um, you can even, if you have a long piece of just bare copper wire that, you know, and you don't scratch over the body, you can put it to the bridge right to the output jack too. And just the same thing, right? It, that should tell you, di help you diagnose the problem. But another thing that can happen sometimes, and it's not as common, but it does happen with guitars and it does happen with basses, is sometimes when you use coated strings like elixirs, especially the um, polywebs versus the nanowebs, so in other words, the thicker that coating, sometimes um, people don't realize this, but when you restring a guitar, a lot of times that coating scratches uh, real easy uh, and, and the metal of the string touches the bridge, right? Touches the saddle on the bridge and that's the metal to metal, you know, to metal to metal, right? You get the connection. But sometimes that coating is preventing, uh, it's no different than if I was to take um, a piece of plastic or a piece of a tape, uh, electrical tape, and put it between the string and your bridge and now that metal, so when you're touching the strings, the way to test that, by the way, would be to touch the bridge. So you were saying when you touch the strings and the bridge, but I am just want to clarify, that you're saying two different things. Sometimes you're you're not. You're saying strings and bridge. But I want you to specifically touch the strings, and if it doesn't stop, and then touch the bridge, and if it stops, you know you might have coated strings, and that that could happen. Um, it's it's not super common. So those of you who like coated strings, don't freak out. <laughs> okay. There's a reason why. Like I said, that coating comes off pretty easy. That's why most of the time you don't have that problem. But if you ever have coated strings and you're noticing you're getting a buzz like that. Um, the fix is you can take a little uh, 400 grit sandpaper and just score up the, the bottoms of those strings right where they touch the, the bridge. It's one of the downfalls of coating your strings, right? It's not common, but it happens. Those would be my two suggestions of what I would focus on on your guitar to solve those problems. And if that doesn't solve it, then you have a bigger problem that I can't imagine what it is with the information you gave me. But that should be the fix. Uh, Brian, right? Did I? Nope. Uh, Slushball45, Happy New Year's. He, 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 uh, they just said Happy New Year. Happy New Year. No one said ha all this week. I, I, you know, I, I know we don't say Merry Christmas anymore, and I understand why. Like, I have friends. I love my friends that are Jewish. They always say Happy Hanukkah, and I'm always like, oh, yeah, I forget, you know, because there's, there's other holidays. And so I always like it when people... I like it personally. I don't want to drum up drama or anything. I'm just saying I like it when people, whatever their holiday is, if they shout it out to me, 
Um, as someone who's not really into any holidays, I always appreciate when other people are into them. And for a second, that gets me into them for a second. But New Year's was always a thing I remember, no matter what, <laughs> right? If you said Happy Holidays, if you said Hanukkah, if you said Christmas, if you said, you know, Kwanzaa, uh, um, doesn't matter. But I always thought, New Happy, Happy New Year. I didn't get one Happy New Year from anybody all week everywhere else, every place i went i thought oh this, i guess we're not saying that no more so happy new year to you too uh slush ball 45 <laughs> i love that name uh aussie says happy new year see oh another one happy new year phil new guitar day eastman sb 59 v how are more people not obsessed with these i can tell you it's you're just not gonna like the answer but I'll tell you. Uh, insane value for the money. Have you got played any thoughts? They're amazing guitars. Eastman is a fantastic instrument. Um, obviously, uh, it's, you know, obviously in, in most cases, they're a Gibson clone and they are fantastic. Uh, Eastman. So as a, as a guitar enthusiast, I'm an Eastman fan. There's no question. Uh, you know, when it talks to how they look, how they feel, I'm on board. I'm with you 100%. But if you're, you asked, how come they're not more popular? Um, it's because although they are comparatively very affordable to Gibson, right? So if you take a Gibson guitar and you take an Eastman guitar and you kind of apples to apples them, you're getting a lot of value to the dollar on an Eastman guitar. But a lot of people don't want to spend that kind of money on a guitar made in China specifically. Now, I think Eastman also does Japan, but I know most of them are made in China. Now, that's just, that's just the thing. You know what I mean? It's just that you ask the question, so I'm giving you the answer. It's not based on the quality of the instrument. It's not even based on, well, it could be, on the fact that some people just don't buy from China or they have issues with that. Again, this is not a political channel. This is a guitar channel, but those are things that do come up in consumers' minds. The main thing is guitar players are consumers and consumers have a way of valuing things. And one of the things they value is the whole country of origin as a price category. Does that make sense? It's like, this is, you know, if it's made here, it should cost this much. If it's made here, it should cost this much. And so whenever those norms are broken, people just, you know, recoil a little bit. And, um, but if that was not the case, uh, if you were apples to apple, apples at Eastman and a Gibson, there would be no one I think would ever say like, oh no, the Eastman's not even close. I think they're very uh, comparable instruments in quality and uh and looks and stuff it's just like i said it's uh there um the worst guitarist ever says phil what are your thoughts on uh steinberger guitars now interesting enough i grab i just saw that so i wanted to hit that too um so my steinberger seven string is right there and as you guys know i have a steinberger true temperament guitar that i bought this year and um and uh, they gave me a smoking deal on that True Temperament guitar. So, so again, thank you to to Strandberg for doing that. Um, when I, um, uh, so you guys know, when they sent that guitar out, um, they didn't ask me to review that guitar. <laughs> okay, so the True Temperament wasn't like a company reached out and said, "Hey, we want to send you this guitar, and you know, we'll pay you for a video, or we'll let you keep the product as some kind of exchange." Of, you know, like I said, it's a trade or something. It was I approached them and I wanted to talk, do a video on True Temperament. I thought it would get uh, some interest from from you guys, and it did. It's 114,000 viewed video, so obviously it had some interest, and I was right uh, in my instinct to think that this is something that would be fun to talk about. Um, so in my eagerness to get my hands on one of those guitars, I did no, uh, communication to them about any kind of expectations from them and me. 
So the expectation would they send me the guitar, I do the video, and then I send it back. And that was the end of the expectations. So they, um, so when I said I'd buy it, <laughs> uh, I even, so you know, they didn't even know I wanted to buy it until they saw the video because I can't, I don't give previews of the videos. So they saw, when you saw, I said, hey, I'm going to buy this guitar. They saw it too. In fact, they emailed me and said, oh, obviously you said in the video you're buying it. So I guess you're not sending it back. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to buy it. In fact, in that video, I even said, if they don't sell it to me, I'll just find another one because I wasn't even sure they would sell it to me. Um, but they said, yeah, we'll sell it to you and we'll give you artist pricing. You know, I, I call it accommodation pricing, but you know, it's really good pricing. Uh, so I got a smoking deal. Now, the reason I tell you that is not, it sounds like a, that's a brag. Ha <laughs> ha, I got a smoking deal. I have to tell you, even at a deal that is the most money I've ever spent for a guitar built in Indonesia ever. So, you know, ever, not even anything close. I don't even think I've spent half of that on a guitar built in Indonesia. And so it, it was a little weird for me knowing that, you know, this, this, uh, economical logic in your head that says, wow, for this price, I can build a, buy a guitar made in Germany or Japan or America. Right. And so, but the reality was the guitar is fantastic. It looks fantastic. It plays fantastic. And it, it's a quality instrument like Eastman. That's why I'm staying on the subject. And I think over time, those lines will slowly get blurred. Um, and because that's what happened with Japan. That's what happens with a lot of guitar company, or, uh, markets. They get leveled up, so to speak. So I don't know. Like I said, it's always a weird conversation because uh, I feel like we're not talking about real tangible things like quality. We're just talking about like, this is where it's made. Like that means something and it doesn't mean anything where it's made um, for the quality of it. So. Uh, the worst guitar says, are you talking about Steinberger or Strandberg? I'm talking about Steinberger. Did you ask? Or Strandberg. I'm sorry. Strandberg. You're asking me about Steinberger. Other than I played a few of the new import models in, uh, in a music store a couple months ago, I don't know much about Steinberger guitars. Um, I remember back when they had Music Yo, the website, and I bought a Steinberger six-string, double-neck, six-string guitar, four-string bass. <laughs> and uh, I think I got it for 350 bucks new, <laughs> back something silly like that, and uh, never played it. Probably should have kept it. They're probably collectible now, but... But uh, very cool. But yes, I'm sorry. If you meant Steinberger and I, I saw, you know, Stein, whenever I see Steinberger, Strandberger, it's, you know, it starts confusing me. They are very, they're very alike in their naming. Okay. So, um, oh, Derek, great, great, uh, great comment. He says, I never buy a guitar. I never bought any guitar as an investment. I buy them to play and enjoy, and now my kids play, so they will hand me downs. So this is a very, uh, very noble thought. <laughs> However, it's not about investing. It, it is. Some guitar people just buy and flip guitars. That's a whole genre of people. They just buy guitars and sell them and flip them and make an, 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 a living on that. Okay. Um, and... What I'm talking about, so I just want to make sure we're all on the same page because I like what you're saying because I, I want to tell you, Derek, every guitar I buy, I buy to own and play. But not every guitar I buy ends up, I end up loving so it doesn't stay. <laughs> so 
knowing that, and most guitar players, by the way, I'm in the majority. So you're in the minority of guitar players that, that buy and keep guitars. My friend Ralph, who you've guys seen on the channel, Ralph has probably, I don't know if he's ever sold any guitar he's ever bought. I don't think he has. I think he's got every guitar he ever bought. No, except for one. Okay, so he did sell his Godin uh, years and years ago. So, I, okay, so there's one. But I mean, like, literally, I can't think of, I mean, I, I've known him now 20-something years. Uh, I've known Ralph like, oh, <laughs> 20, well, my son's going to be 25. Think about that. My son's going to be 25, and I've obviously I've known Ralph for years and years before my son was born. So that's how many guitars I can think of he sold in all that lifetime. Uh, one. <laughs> so he buys them and keeps them like you're saying. Um, but not everybody's, uh, like that. Some people buy the guitars and they, like I said, they, they want to try them, experiment with them, learn about them. Um, you know, if I made decisions based on like only, I'm only going to buy what I absolutely know I love, like I would have never bought that Rickenbacker and tried it. So that's why I said some players will try things and then that means you got to flip them. And then therefore you're, you're literally like, okay, how much damage can this do to me financially? Uh, some of the worst, my first experience with a, buying an instrument and realizing the punishment that can come with losing your money on it was uh, my first expensive purchase was a modulus bass um, back when modulus was the original company. And I bought a modulus bass new and it was really expensive and I just didn't bond to the instrument. I went to sell it and I tried so hard for a year. And finally what I sold it for was little less, little less than half. We could almost say half because it was close enough, half. And at that dollar amount, all I could think about was, wow, what I lost on this base, I could have bought a nice instrument. <laughs> I think I paid $2,700 for it back in the day. And so there you go. I, I sold it for, you know, whatever half of that is. Um, so there you go. Um, okay. Uh... Yeah, you guys said Ralph should come on the show sometime. We he we used to pop on on Saturdays, um, but we haven't done a, sh a Saturday show in so long. Maybe we need to do one. Uh, let's see, Brian. Brian says, "Hey, I tried the Freeman Runt Twenty and loved it. It's a great amp. It's one of my favorite amps. Problem is, it's crazy loud for just home use. Mmm, interesting." Uh, volume never got above two. Any issues running it at low? No, I, 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 I had a run 20. Uh, I had no problem playing it quiet. You know, when you, a lot of those amps, you turn it down. I mean, sure, you're not going to get the fullness of the same sound when it's a little louder and you're going to get a little more fizziness. Um, if that amp specifically, you can run attenuation through it, you know, or run it through an attenuator. But for that amp, I would just put in the effects loop a volume uh, pedal or that JHS volume knob or... The new Black Mountain volume pedal that showed up. <laughs> uh, somebody asked me about this a, a week or so ago about the new Black Mountain. This is a new volume pedal that uses a different kind of way. It's, it's like a roller for your foot. Um, um, and uh, so, yes, video coming very soon. I'm very excited about this. And um, this, one of the things I liked about this is, um, so, you know, for the price difference, I'm not going to justify this compared to the JHS stuff because the JHS pedal... Uh, What's it called? The black box. I think I bought mine for $24.99. They're probably $35, $40 now, maybe. This is closer to the $200 price point, but it's a much different product. But it also, if you put this on top of your amp and run this as a volume control, you can make this like a master master, so to speak, uh, through your effects loop and really solve a lot of problems for yourself. So um, on the 
And uh, so when I ran the run, sometimes I would run the uh, a volume control in the effects loop and then run just to run the master volume in the front a little harder just to kind of take some of the fizz out of the tone. It worked really great. So Paul says New Year, New Year's beer funds. Oh, yes, yes. It's always nice. <laughs> Uh, uh, New Year's for me is very boring. I've said this every year, every show, every time. We um, we do New Year's Eve the same every year, which is pretty much uh, we lock the uh, lock the dogs in the house, and we try to watch a movie a little loud, not loud, super loud, but a little loud, and we try to chill because and stay chill because the fireworks make my dogs crazy, um, and um, you know everybody's just popping off fireworks. It usually starts around eight o'clock at night and it goes until about one o'clock in the morning <laughs> so uh and the dogs obviously don't like the fireworks so we just kind of chill and uh we learned that if you run the tv a little loud like watch a movie a little bit loud you know the dogs don't really seem to you know starting to pop off from it so to speak uh shannon says are you doing t are you going to review the new boss amp and cabinet pedal or did i miss it um i had no intentions of buying it uh and boss and i have no relationship uh, I'm not on their list of, you know, channels that they send product to. Um, the, uh, uh, products like that become, like I said, if, it, if I notice it's trending and it's really popular and maybe, you know, like it'd be worth checking out for you guys or like you, you mentioned it, you know, I noticed on the podcast, a lot of times, a lot of videos I do like the Rickenbacker I do because you mentioned on the show. And then when I'm thinking of a video that I want to do, I go, Oh, yeah, the, they mentioned that boss pedal. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, I have the two notes, uh, cab M and to me, um, although probably these two products are slightly different. Um, and I know one of the things is that, you know, the boss doesn't have menus and stuff, but you know, it's one of those things like I have that product personally covered for me. I have a product that I, I like that does that, but be really interesting. Check it out. But yeah, I had no intention of picking one up to, to do a video. Vim 69. Oh God. God, coming with the question hard it says what's one video you wanted to put out this year but you couldn't and could not and couldn't what's a video i couldn't do this year that i wanted to do oh you know uh, there's probably a ton <laughs> um you know there's a ton of products this year that i was super excited about but you know i just couldn't justify um you know, doing. So I'll, I'll give you some examples. Uh, the Universal Audio 65 Deluxe pedal. Um, that was a, a, a pedal that I was super interested in. Um, the new uh, Line 6, uh, essentially their new Line M5. I don't think they're calling it that, right? Let's look at what they're calling it. Um, there's a pedal. Let me show you. This uh, pedal so I have the M5, the Line 6 M5. By the way, this is one of, to me, one of the most underrated pedals on the market. And of, co of course, with the new Line 6 HX1, I can imagine this pedal is being phased out. I would highly, highly, highly recommend buying the M5. I have an M5. It is a, uh, when I talk to people like Tim Pierce, Tim Pierce agrees with me 100%, or maybe I agree with Tim Pierce 100%, but Tim Pierce is like the M9, the M5, these are studio grade, studio used products that professional musicians use every day. And uh, they're fantastic. In my opinion, the M5, which has 100 individual pedals and it's true bypass, which is one of the things that I think is uh 
uh, I'm hearing, I didn't get to try it, but the HX, this Line 6 HX1 is not true bypass. In other words, it's everything runs through a digital thing, even though you get 250 effects versus the 100s, uh, 100 on this one. It's also almost double the price at $300 versus $179 or $69. This unit, the, and if you can find the uh, Line 6 M5 cheaper, just buy it cheaper. But this pedal, I've said this before, it has... 100 great sounding effects. A lot of the distortions are not fantastic, but the tube screamer in there is legit. And what's nice about that pedal is that pedal will save you. It'll pay you if you're a pedal junkie, if you're a if you're a midnight gear buying addict, this will save you uh, more than $170 in no time. Because when you're up at night watching Josh Scott or who another amazingly talented person uh, showing you pedals <laughs> and going, Oh, I think I need a new tremolo pedal. Oh, I think I need a new phaser pedal. Um, it's in that M5 and you pull up that M5. You can, it's all knob. It's all tweakable. There's no programming, no presets. You can go in there, find the sound, mess, mess, it, mess around with it, get a sound you want, get that sound, play with it. And your first reaction will always be, I need to buy the real thing. If this is, this is cool, but that real thing's better and keep doing it. 10 minutes, it's all it takes. 10 minutes later, you're like, that was cool, but I think it's, um, yeah, I don't think I need a octave phaser. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a great, it's, um, uh, Richard says, there's no bad monkey on the M5. I bet you that if you gave Josh Scott the M5 and the bad monkey, I bet you he could show you where the M5 sounds exactly like the bad monkey. Um, so I, I highly recommend that pedal. But um, the, the question was, what did I not review that I wish I did? And let's go back. Um, it's really, like said, this uh, this uh, HX1. Uh, Tim Pierce did a video of the HX1. He loved it, but I don't think he mentioned whether or not it was true bypass like this uh, pedal. Um, the reason I like the true bypass on this is because sometimes when I'm not using it, I just unplug it, <laughs> and you know it doesn't and it doesn't uh, change anything. Um, uh, so th that's a pedal I wish I could have uh, uh, done. I I couldn't buy it. I tried. I tried. It was in obviously is in my cart. Um, $300 for a pedal that I'm afraid that might not be as good or better than the pedal I already have that I bought brand new for $99, um, made me nervous, um, you know, to buy. And then if I, you know, and then if, you know, make a video with it and will anybody watch it? And what happens with the new stuff like that, you know, they send it out just like me, they send, you know, companies send me stuff as a, like the YouTubers, when they send all the YouTubers, the first line of attack of their product launches, um, one thing that I understand people, I, I agree with most of you when people are like, I hate it when all the YouTubers put out the video at the same time. I, I agree. Uh, that's why I try not to do it. One of the downfalls of not doing that though, is that nobody will watch it when I do it three weeks later, <laughs> even if I buy the product because everybody's kind of seen it. it. You know, it's a mass, it's a mass blast. So that was a product that I kind of wish I got to check out. Um, that little boss pedal that, uh, I just got asked a question about, um, I thought that looked really cool. Um, you know, there's a ton of products that just, you know, the companies don't send, which is fine, you know, obviously. Um, but I just can't justify buying because uh, I have other things to do. I have other, you know, videos to make. Um, and so, but yeah, that's that's some of the ones I think of that I wish I did a video, but I didn't do a video. Um, so I think that's hopes that answers the question. Oh, here's a good question. This one came in. This one is from Luis, uh, Lewis. Lewis said, what is the difference between an electric guitar amp and acoustic amp? My my current um, uh, Piazzo, 
uh, guitar, uh, Piazzo? Yeah, Piazzo. Uh, Piazzo guitar uh, doesn't sound good, and I'm unsure if it's because of the amp or the guitar. I have the Katana Artist. So um, I know the Katanas, uh, well, I've, I've never tried the Katana Artist, um, but I'm assuming the Katana Artist, ha Artist has an acoustic mode, and that's what I get for assuming. So let me look real quick. Um, uh, I need to know if it has a, an uh, acoustic mode on the amp before I give you any advice on how to obviously deal with that. Um, so let me, I'm looking at the front here and share with you guys. I'm looking at the front of the amp right now, and I'm looking to see the dial. And there it is, acoustic mode. Okay, so there's an acoustic mode on this amp. Now, my guess is is that, uh, you know, think of it this way. It's got an acoustic setting on the amp, but it's not going to be at the same level as like a Fishman, a dedicated acoustic amp. Um, so, But I'm not telling you like, oh, get yourself a real acoustic amp. What I will tell you, one thing about acoustic guitars, and I don't know, and I have to give you advice based on the information you gave me, which is I don't know what acoustic you have and what pickup system you have. It could be your pickup system in your guitars is not very good. You could have a passive system that's not very good, and there's just no way if your acoustic pickup system is not very good that that amp, especially that amp that's only there to be kind of like a makeshift acoustic amp, is going to give you the, the dedicated sound that you want. So would a real acoustic amp fix that problem? Sure, but one thing I like to, to tell you is a perfect example of that M5 pedal. I would tell you and I would tell everybody that you should own a EQ pedal, a graphic equalizer pedal. Um, to me, I can't play acoustic, any acoustic, and I have all kinds of acoustics, everything from carbon fiber ones to Taylor's to a Martin's to, to orange woods to you name it. I have, you know, those kind of acoustics and every acoustic it, it's like if I don't play, I don't go anywhere with acoustic without an EQ, EQ pedal. Um, cause sometimes acoustics, they get weird frequencies. Sometimes weird things happen. Like I said, you're playing it and it's just not, it's not hitting right. The, the guitar is too nasal. It's too mid rangey. It's too bassy. An EQ pedal will solve that. In that M5 line six pedal, I'm not saying you have to buy that instead of an EQ pedal, but I'm saying if you have an EQ pedal, great. But what I'm saying is this, if you have a M5 line six pedal, it has an EQ pedal in that pedal. Um, uh, which is why another reason why I said it has a parametric EQ in it as regular EQ. And I think it's just a, more, a couple of different EQs, but it has a, base, a dedicated EQ. Um, but I would get an EQ pedal. Um, and if you can borrow one from somebody, borrow an EQ pedal and try it on that amp. I bet you would fix what the boss is doing wrong. I think, it, we're, and that would also fix if you're, whatever your acoustic has. Um, the worst guitarist said, it's funny that the name is with the worst guitar says the boss seven band EQ is a must have. I absolutely agree. I, I like I said, it's like that. That's my poison. Like you know the saying, pick your poison. I like the Boss uh, 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 ME, you know EQ ME seven. Is it the ME seven? The EQ seven. The their their seven band equalizer pedal. I love that pedal dearly. Um, but I mean, I I really don't care if you guys you know if you tell me like, oh, I like this EQ pedal. It's fine as long as we all agree EQ pedals are the thing to have. It will literally solve so many problems for you. Um, it's a it's it's a very important. Uh, pedal to have and in this situation would definitely help you so much uh xxxxx a lot of x's says use the boss studio software to dial in your tone there's another option as well i again doesn't cost anything this is back to the first question we started the show with where somebody said what modeler would you get and this is the important thing to understand before i would say get a new acoustic amp it's uh your boss amps not a great acoustic amp um no you learn to use the stuff you have the best you can and you're gonna find a great way to uh, you can make anything sound good if you work at it um uh, 
So will it be exactly what you want? I don't know if it'll be the exact sound you want, but you can get it darn close and then work and we'll go from there. But I would say try those. So <laughs> uh, the uh, I'm going to say Ingolarf. I'm probably messing up. The Ingolarf says, to be honest, boss gets crap from pedal snobs for no reason. I absolutely agree. You know, it's funny is I, I think when I was on Blake's, uh, the Tone Mobs podcast, I said this on his podcast, I'm pretty sure, but if I, I'm saying it now, uh, that when I was growing up, boss pedals were the boutique pedals. That was the expensive pedals. Like, I always tell people, I always tell everybody this, uh, boss pedals to me were like transformers and DOD was like go bots. <laughs> right. And then, but here's, what's funny. The reason I say this, um, I couldn't afford either. I couldn't afford the go bots or the transformers. I couldn't f- afford DODs or boss. I got like our tech Aria pro two made a line of pedals series 10 guitars made pedals. Um, like I remember, <laughs> I remember the first time my first real pedal, uh, was a DOD American metal. It was, it was metal, uh, not metal, like uh, play, but it was me- the, the, the texture of it was metal. And, um, and same thing with boss pedals. I remember like, I just wanted a pedal that wasn't made of plastic. I don't know why. <laughs> I just thought like, that's what pros had. Professionals must have pedals that are not made of cheap plastic. And I thought that was like, that was a thing. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't know, but, uh, but yeah, I love boss stuff. And boss stuff is on every stage, everywhere around the world, by every professional ever. So I, yeah, yeah. When boss gets hate, I'm always confused because <laughs> I'm like, it's durable, it's good, it sounds good. I mean, you know, if your your little weird $400 boutique thing probably sounds a little better, whatever that means. But it's not like like I said, we're not talking. This sucks and this is good. We're talking about this is good and maybe yours is a little bit better. Well, good for you. I'm glad it's a little bit better. I have things that I think are a little bit better too, but a little bit better is exactly that. It's a it's a warranted statement. It's just a little better. So, so ah, Beavis Christ says my first pedal was the first gen DoD Grunge. Yeah, see, woo, that was great. That's a great pedal. So, all right. Uh, uh, Johnny, thank you for the massive super chat. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. He says, pick up uh, making fun. P90, hint, hint. Happy New Year. Yeah, you know, I backed off P90s. The reason I did, I stopped the P90s, I was doing them, and I said this before. My P90 is a clone. So what happened was I picked a P90 one day, and I went, I'm going to, do a clone of that. And I didn't even reverse engineer it. <laughs> I didn't even go like, hmm, I'll take it apart. I literally went online and uh, I found like literally, you know, through the forums and stuff, somebody's like, this is how they're doing it. And I was like, okay, let's try it. I tried it. I was like, yeah, that's how they're doing it. And so I, I basically picked the P90 and I copied what I, I picked the P90 I liked and I copied it. And I A-B'd it and they sound almost like damn identical. And I was like, okay, so that's my P90 I like to make. And I was doing it because I was like, oh, that'd be fun. And like I said, the Copperhead single coils and my Northern Lights, those to me are, they are different pickups. Like I said, then is there some pickups out there that sound like them? Maybe, but I mean, I have 400 sets of pickups downstairs and I haven't heard a set that sounds like them exactly. Um, I know the lineage of my pickups, where they come from. So if, you know, if somebody locked me down and said, you know, you know, what is the closest thing? I can tell you what's close to my pickups. Um, But 
like I said, and notice I'm no, I don't have a whole line of pickups because that's not what I'm after here. I'm basically doing this as a, you know, I have a community of people and there's a bunch of you that are like, hey, I'd like to buy a set of pickups. And, you know, and I don't, I actually enjoy making them. I wish I had more time to make more. And um, when I make them, I put them out there. But the P90s, I was like, yeah, you know, everybody who bought the P90s was really happy. Well, they should be because they're a clone of a really nice P90. <laughs> and, um, and uh, but when I did the Dylan Talks Tone pickups, I thought, well, why have my P90s up for sale? He's He's got a P90. It sounds great. I'll just let the traffic go that way. It just made sense for me. So that's why I took them off the website. Uh, Johnny, the re reality is this. If you go to the Ask Know Your Gear website, um, or if you're a patron, so I'm just telling patrons just period. If you're a patron, it's easier for you guys. But just the same way, it's, you're going to get the same place. So it's not one's different than the other. It's just the patrons only know one way to get hold of uh, us. You're getting a hold of Shauna if you're sending a message to that website. It gets to me, but it filters through. And um, she comes to me every week and says, hey, somebody wants this pickup this way. Somebody wants a one humbucker. Somebody wants a set of P90s. And it's always the same answer. Uh, I think I have Thursday morning. I think I, I don't think I have anything to do that morning. I'll, I'll wind up a set of pickups. So absolutely do that for you just you got to ask um like i said it's it's, it's that simple um, but i do want you to understand that uh the p90s i make although i love them they're not any i didn't make anything different than anybody else on them uh they're just my favorite set of p90s recreated um i also i should point out so i give myself some credit the my favorite set of p90s cost more than mine <laughs> so it is more it's a more affordable version of that Okay, Aussie English says, installed noiseless Gen 4 pickups in my Fender Tele parts caster. High E string touches the pickup when fretting past the 12th fret. Can't lower further without screwing up the, the screwing, screw popping out solution. Yeah, it's because those pickups are so thick because there's essentially two coils on there. Um, so, I I mean, here's, here's your solutions, uh, really, to be honest with you. Um, First, before I, this is what I'm just going to tell you what I would do since you don't even know if you love those pickups, right? They're just in there. And even if you like them, you don't even know long-term. Um, you're in Australia because I see the AUD 10. Um, so um, if you're on the Stu Max deal, <laughs> you get free shipping to Australia. So hopefully you set, you, you did that deal. If you did, get their shims, their, their, their flat wood shims and uh, put, shim the neck up. So don't try to lower the pickup anymore. Raise the neck up. Uh, once the neck is raised up a little bit, and so you know, a little goes a long way. We're talking about a little. A little. <laughs> so you, sh you use the shim, and you shim the neck up, and uh, then you raise the saddles, and it's going to fix your problems. Um, tonally, it won't change anything. Aesthetically, you won't even notice. Um, it's one of those things, like if you brought it to me, and I did it, and handed you back your guitar... You wouldn't have figured out what I did to it, anyways. We're talking about that little. Um, if you don't have that program, don't 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 fret. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, there is a company that makes shims that you can buy on Amazon, or and you can find them. Just like I said, use uh, the. I always tell everybody. Uh, I'm pretty habitual about this. Go to Stumac, find the thing you need, then find where it is somewhere else. If you don't want to buy from Stumac for whatever the reasoning. Um, now, 
other than that, remember a business card, right? Stick a couple business cards in there. Stick some sandpaper in there. That's what Fender did for 50 years and still does this day. They're shoving stuff in the neck. Uh, sandpaper, uh, a business card, shim the neck up is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, if you don't want, like I said, if you don't want to go through all the things I just told you about the shims, I was just saying if you get one of those shims, it's just easy, right? But you can just shim the neck up just a little bit. And um, don't try to use um, like a logic of, wow, I got this much more to go, so I got to put a shim that thick or thicker. Trust me, it's not going to work the way you think. Just raising that neck up a little bit is going to solve a lot of your problems. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure because I got to do off memory, but I'm pretty sure that if you get like the Fender Ultra uh, Tellys and Strats and their their guitars, Fender's guitars that specifically have those pickups in it, those neck blocks, I, I can't remember if the pickup, the, the, if the neck cavity is routed shallower or if the neck block is thicker, but something is off. Cause if you ever swap those necks, cause I had to do it a couple times for a customer swapping the necks, all of a sudden it's like, ah, crap, this isn't lining up, lining up height wise. Um, so I could, but I can't do it. I'm, you know, it was before COVID when I did it last or around when COVID started. So it's been a couple years. I can't remember what, what it was that we had to do. Um, to fix it, but it was obviously that. So, like I said, even Fender's kind of doing that because uh, you can only route so deep into the, the cavity. And I and I would before I would do a permanent mod, like you know, route the pick pickup cavity out or do anything like that. Do what I'm saying. It's gonna it's quick and easy, easy fix. Let me know if it works. So you don't have to super chat me to let me know it works. Like guys, you guys who super chat and ask questions like this, if you ever want to give me feedback on how well it did, if you send the email right and highlight what it is that you're responding to. Like, Hey, I took Phil's advice. Um, I'm sure a lot of people for entertainment value would like to know how far off base I was or how accurate it was and what you ended up having to do if I wasn't right to fix it or what you did if I was right. I would definitely read that on these shows. Um, but very rarely, I don't, I don't get a whole lot of feedback. Um, very, I've, sometimes I do, but please, uh, send the feedback. I would be, I'd be very interested to know. Um, and it helps me kind of adjust, you know, for future, like, uh, Litvey, what's up, Litvey? He says, would that volume pedal work for a lap steel guitar? Absolutely. Uh, full review coming soon. Uh, very soon. Uh, I don't know exactly when the pedal review is going to come out, but within the next, within the first two weeks of January is for sure. Um, you know, Cole is a friend at Black Mountain and he sent the pedal out. Uh, I, I, uh, I went to get my EVH Stealth LBX head that I bought myself for Christmas. And when I was picking it up, there was a box next to it and the box was that pedal he sent the pedal out so and i thought oh that was funny that somebody just mentioned it. if i'd seen it then like literally two days later it showed up in the mail so uh which made me happy because it wasn't like cole saw somebody mentioned it and sent it to me he had to send it before that so it was really cool so yes i will be sharing the, the thing um cole asked me for a favor though and it was really interesting uh, and I'll share with you. He asked me if I would please spend a lot of time with it so that I'm, you know, not just, you know, that's something I would normally do anyways, but he specifically said, please spend some time with it, you know, and learn it, you know, and figure out what it is that's good and not good about it. And, you know, really, and, um, uh, it's really cool. So I'll be, uh, showing you guys, I'll show you what I love about it. I'll show you a couple critiques I have on it. And, and uh, all that stuff. Super excited about that. Uh, Mike says, hey, Phil, any update on your opinion of the Heritage H150 standard 
just got one and really like it, but keep going back and forth on my Les Paul VS Heritage. Um, well, it's right, it's hanging behind me. I'm pointing at it right now. That is the Heritage. You can't tell in your angle because um, you can't see the big card, but there it is. Um, okay, so uh, I haven't done the video. So I got the guitar sent to me from Heritage. I have some feedback on the guitar. I gave it to Heritage. Um, and um, ironically, some of my feedback echoed, which I didn't know this at the time, it echoed. I, so, you know, my, my, the patrons and got this update already uh, when we did the, the last uh, patron QA. So I'm just giving you a kind of synopsis of what I explained to them. Um, I gave Heritage some feedback on the guitar. Um, that is not something I normally do, but this case, I really wanted to do it because instead of making, just making the video and telling you guys what I think the, the, the feedback is, I wanted them to hear the feedback, um, because I think it's something that can be corrected. Now I want you to understand when I say feedback, I don't mean there's any issues with this particular guitar, like defects. There's no defects in this guitar. It's more of like a, Hey, if you made a couple changes, I think it would be a really Im more impressive instrument. And I actually guessed what I thought was the issue with um, how the guitar is being constructed. And what's interesting about that is uh, Tim Pierce, who I had not talked to about this or anything about like this, apparently gave them the same feedback. So um, that's what I'm waiting for. So that's it. Um, my initial on it is simple. It's it's a fantastic instrument. I mean, it's an amazing instrument on every level. But I think it can be better than a Gibson. I personally could not tell you, and I'm just giving my opinion, which means nothing. It's just what I think. It's not like facts of anything. In my opinion, it's as good as a Gibson. But I think it could be better than a Gibson. And um, so why not? you know, why not offer it to them? So the, the information. Um, and so I think, and one of the things I think it's how they set the instrument up when it's coming through the factory. So I said, here's what I think you guys are doing in the factory. That's, that's making it feel weird to me or different than what I'm used to. And so I said, what do you guys think? And so we're working on it. If the results, so you guys know, either way you get the video. So if the result is there's just no change and that's what it is, then I'll do a video of what above the instrument and tell you this is what I love, but these are a couple things that I think they can make better. And um, yeah, see, now watch Super League 100 said, Tim just did a video of his heritage. And in that video, if you guys watch, which I highly recommend, it's a great video, of course. Anytime Tim does a video, I highly recommend you watch it. But uh, if you watch the video, um, they uh, he had some modifications done to the guitar to make it specific to something he loves for him. That's not something you can buy, though. So I um, so that's why I'm hoping maybe we can figure out something they can adjust that makes it improved. I don't know. I know I'm being vague, but it's, I mean, there's nothing to really tell you other than I think it's as good as a Gibson and I think it can be better. And uh, if it can be better, then I'll do a video and I'll tell you guys why I think it's better than a Gibson. And if it can't be changed, well, then I'll, I'll give you the video uh, where I say what you just heard. It's as good as my Gibson. And then you figure out what you, what you think, you know, what you want to play. Uh, Unfreaking Believable says, Phil, any plans to sit down and do interviews with artists at Kiesel event? Devin, you know, it didn't even occur to me to do that. I don't know. Uh, I almost want to say no. It's a great idea. I wish I wish I thought of it. 
I wish I thought of it um, before I already kind of... So here's my plan. So again, we should talk about this. So the Kiesel event is on the 27th of January. I've talked about this. Uh, it's free to the public. You just go and sign up. You have to sign up. This is very important. You have to go and register, every person. Um, I don't want you guys to register and not show. I don't think that's fair to them, but I want you to understand that, you know, if you think you might go, you probably should go register. Because like I said, it's not like you're going to lose any money. Don't go register just, you know, because you'll throw their numbers off and, you know, it's not fair to them. But if you think there's a good chance you might go, please register. It's free. And I guess at the last minute, if you don't go, honestly, because you couldn't just figure it out and get there, well, then, you know, you didn't, you're not out anything. Um, so go. Um, my plans. What are my plans? My plans are I'm doing a clinic at 2.15 that afternoon. So 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I will be there. Uh, I will be there from the morning when it opens until it closes. And um, basically, I plan to I'm trying to I want to be useful. I talked about, like I said, when they first approached me, maybe I'll hand out waters. I'm not kidding. Maybe I'll just do that. Um, I just can't not, I just don't want to stand around and not be useful. So I might find uh, something to do there besides the clinic. Um, you know, uh, you know, whatever help they need. I don't know. Maybe I'll take out the trash. I don't know. I'm not kidding. Uh, whatever it is. I just need to be useful. So, um, and I kind of, I figure in that usefulness, I would interact with you, everybody that's there that, that knows me from this channel and stuff and say hi and stuff. Um, so more like, you know, be like that. So that's what I'd like to do. Um, so that's my plan. Um, so I really don't like the idea of, of, cause what happens if I do interviews, I can already tell you what's going to happen. I'll be shuttled off, uh, because this is not my first rodeo, so to speak. I've done events like this. Um, so I'll be shuttled off and you guys want, you know, I, you'll know when we'll see me. I'll be in the back doing interview after interview and stuff like that. Um, so, but here's what's great, Chris, uh, our unfreaking believable. What's great is um, uh, you gave me another idea, which is I can make relationships there with those artists to do podcasts. So something that's exciting that I can announce because it's official is that in January, two things are, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to improve the Patreon system and the, the channel member system, right? It's a very difficult process. It's like, you know, the funding from that funds the show, but also, you know, we want to give something to you for the value proposition of, you know, you supporting the show. Um, so one of the things starting uh, January 1st is, like I said, these live shows, like today's live show, one hour after it's finished today it's going to be available on patreon and channel members i believe but if not it'll be coming soon to them but definitely on patreon with no ads so you can watch this whole thing with no ads so five dollars and you get no ads for all the episodes that's one but two starting uh in january and going forward we're gonna be doing a bonus podcast every month and it's uh with a guest okay and we've already confirmed the first guest and it's going to be guests. It's going to be everybody from, you know, uh, people who build guitars, you know, the people, the, the people you want to hear from, right? People in the industry. Uh, so, um, and so you guys have been asking about doing bonus podcasts, but what we're going to do that's really fun is it's going to, we're going to do them and then uh, we're going to ask the patrons for the questions and all that stuff. So if you're, again, if you're a patron, you'll get to submit your questions and we'll do the podcast and you'll see the podcast 
Uh, if you want to if you want to be there physically live when it happens, you can be there live, and and also ask questions live if you're a patron member. And then the rebroadcast, you'll see it for 30 days, and then after 30 days, so the following month, so you'll so all the people here on the channel will see all of the podcasts. You're not missing out on anything. So if you don't patron, you're fine. You're just gonna get everything a month on a lag. That's all. So it's a way we can give something to the patrons and and improve the channel and improve the patron experience. And that's kind of what we're up to. Um, and so extra bonus, uh, bonus shows. Absolutely. So I'm very excited. And um, uh, I've already been reaching out and I got uh, already my first first request. I They came back and said, absolutely, which is great. And we're going to be talking about cool stuff. Uh, Daniel says, hey, do you know if Kiesel does body binding and pick cards? They do pick cards on some of the models that have pick cards. Mine has a pick card. They do do not do binding. Uh, essentially, like Paul Reed Smith guitars for the most part. Very well. Paul Reed Smith does some binding uh, now, um, but uh, but Kiesel does not. They do the scraped binding, like Paul Reed Smith has used to do only as an exclusive, and then now they do you know both. But yeah, they don't do binding. It's not it's not their forte. So uh, you'll, you'll find that guitar companies, just like car companies, like uh, custom shop car companies and custom, custom car shops, I should say, anybody who does custom work, custom furniture, um, custom jewelry, people get like a skill set. They get good at certain things. It's in their wheelhouse, so to speak, and they do that. So Kiesel's got a skill set, and that's what they do, just like Paul Reesmith's got a skill set, just like Novo's got a skill set, right? And they stick to those things. That's why Kiesel, by the way, I asked Jeff, you should do a, I said, why don't you do a relic? He's like, I don't want to do relics because I don't know how to do them because I don't know how to do them and I don't want to do them because he doesn't know how to do them and it's not something that interests him. But I was like, relic me a strat. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm like, oh, no, keep working on him. He's like, I, I don't do nitro and it doesn't look good if it's not nitro. And I go, wasn't well, that the challenge? Why don't you figure out how to do it? Not doing nitro like with your raw finish. And he's like, do you really like, this is what he said. He goes, do you really like uh, Relic Guitars? And I go, I actually, I told him, I go, I don't actually care. Uh, I don't care if a guitar is uh, Relic or not. I said, what I've learned is, is that when you have a Relic Guitar and you ding it, you don't care. And it's a very liberating feeling. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily a thing I like, the way it looks. And I definitely don't buy into the whole, it sounds different, but there is something very like, oh, I dinged it. Well, it already has a ding. <laughs> it already had 20 dings. Who cares? Uh, Etino e says, does sound like you're trying to improve your wallet rather than improve the channel, but I could be wrong. In regards to what? Doing the, doing the, um, uh, Etino is maybe, see, this was great. I read this because one, feedback's always great. So I like the feedback, but also clarity is always nice. Let me, let me explain it this way. One of the issues I have is a lot of the people that I want to talk to an interview do not want to do it live. Um, when I interviewed John Petrucci, when I interviewed uh, Zach Wild, when I interviewed, uh, 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 well, I said John Petrucci, uh, uh, John Petrucci, Mark, Mark Tremonti, they didn't want to do it live. You know, you, you don't talk to them, first of all. You talk to a manager. So you talk to somebody who manages them and 
it's like a junket, okay? And you, they put them on the thing and they go, you get between this time and this time and then you you go, okay? And the reason they want to do it live is I can tell you, and I mean this in, in all the kindness I can muster up, most of these guys, they don't do what I do for a living. So you spend the first 10 minutes like, can you hear me? Is this working? Is this going? Oh, is this going? Is this a phone? Is what's, I mean, this is, I mean, they, they don't know any of this stuff. And that's not what they want you to see. <laughs> okay. Um, now, some of them will do live, but you got to understand most of them to do live, what they do is they have like a person. Like I interviewed Paul Reed Smith. Paul Reed Smith, Paul, Paul Smith, Paul Smith does not set up his live interaction. When you see him live on a show interacting with somebody, there's a person, their entire job for the entire year is to set up the the, the live feed. Okay. I forget his name because it's one guy who does it at the company. That's because Paul owns a $70 million guitar company and he has a guy that all day can set up the video and set up so I can go, this is what platform I'm using because they have to know if you're using Zoom or your StreamYard or what are you using. And so, and essentially if you want it done right, you also want them to record it on their end and send you a file. So what happens is if you try to do live show feeds, you are going to narrow down how many people are going to want to come on and do the show with you. So that's the biggest part. I think there's a little bit of magic in live. That's why I do a live show on Friday. Look, I can just take your questions all week and do QAs. Uh, there's tons of channels. In fact, every channel, when I was doing QAs live, the unique thing that I'd started doing was live. Um, I don't want to say who, obviously I, you could say like, I took the QA idea from all the other guitar channels that were doing it. You're absolutely right. But what they were doing was pre-recorded. And I thought, what have you put me on the hot seat? I have to sit here for two hours and you have to ask me everything from, we've talked about everything from how companies set up signature artists to how I wire a pickup to, right? It's a, it's a lot to, to discuss a lot of different topics and it jumps around and you got to be ready for it. And I say sometimes the wrong things. Like when I say Strandberg versus Steinberger and vice versa, because I'm, you know, I'm just thinking and going. And so there's not a whole lot of people that are interested in doing that. So what we thought about was we said, well, what if we we minimize that to just a few dozen people? Because realistically, when I do the live interactions with Patreon, I've never had more than 20, 30 people on at any given time, ever. Um, ever. <laughs> so what's great, though, is, is that, so when I approach them and I say, well, we'll do it, we'll do it live. So there's a few people that can watch it live if they so deem. And... Also, what will be given to you guys is the edited version. So if the person that I'm interviewing, who, by the way, is a successful amp builder or a successful guitar builder or, uh, you know, a industry god titan of, you know, pedals, um, you don't have they don't have to worry about the fact that all they all you guys see is that they can't figure out how to get their StreamYard connections to work for the first three minutes. We'll edit all that out and we'll clean everything up. And that's what you'll get fed to. Right. Um, so that's why we're doing it this way. And we thought it, so itself, it wins both ways because now it's a perk for the people that support the channel financially, because that's nice. It's a nice thing. Like I said, um, um, 
so that's that's why we do it that way. So yes, to an answer your question, I agree with you what you're saying. I'm just uh, also wanted to give you some more feedback of why I, I came with that idea of doing it that way. And e e keep in mind, even doing it this way, I will be shocked because I plan to do 12, one a month for the for the year 2024. But I will be shocked if all 12 people agree to do any kind of live, even if it's only for 20 people or 30 people. I would imagine even some of them are going to be half the off the air. Because like I said, there's other things too. They Some people like, they just, you know, it's part of the interview. They are like, hey, I, I want something taken out because I didn't think, I didn't think, you know, I was, you know, it's always, it's not what you guys think. It's never like they said something inappropriate. It's always like, I wasn't supposed to talk about that, that product. Um, I did a, when I did my Mark Germani uh, video, um, obviously he can do whatever he wants because he's Mark Germani. But you can imagine like when I did the video with him, uh, he talked the entire time about his amp that didn't come out for two years later. <laughs> so a lot of times companies are like, can we not post all these parts about the thing that we don't even have yet? So I hope that's, uh, hope that's more clarification. Pretty interesting. So, and again, it's always trying to figure out a good way to do that stuff. So there you go. That's uh, some uh, insights. And yes, and hopefully it will uh, drive revenue to the channel because ultimately that's uh, a very important thing <laughs> to do is fund all this stuff. Okay, uh, uh, let's see. Hold on a second. Oh, Raj says, who is the first guest? I don't want to tell you guys. Um, the reason is, is cause I think there, I think it should be fun. I think it should be a fun little mystery at first. Um, all you have to know is it's, it's going to be everybody that I'm not really after guitar players. So, uh, famous guitar players and stuff and like that. It's going to be, my focus is like, you know, the Dave Friedman's, the Jeff Kiesel's, the Paul Smith's, the, um, the Jack Higginbotham's who, who's been on the show. Um, I forget his name and I apologize, but the, the owner of Reverend Guitars, right? Um, you know, I, I want people in the industry and I want to have some candid discussions with them. Uh, like we do, you know, right? Um, really cool too. Plus, I also, you got to understand the other thing too. We have to, I want to focus this around um, uh, uh, actually having a conversation about things you care about versus the promotion aspect. They, uh, sometimes they got, sometimes they only want to talk about the things they got to promote at that moment. And although I understand the importance of that, that doesn't always make it necessarily make a great, uh, interview. <laughs> so tell me more about this new program and, and stuff you're selling. So there you go. Uh, okay. Also, I'm also looking for suggestions. So if you guys have suggestions of who, who you think would be on the great on the show, uh, Dave says Ron Thorne. Sure. Yeah. So. Like I said, uh, ton, tons, like I said, anybody who could tell us anything about more about the stuff we're already geeking out together about. Um, let's see. Okay, let's go. Let's do another more guitar questions. I, I'm going to say T-Sized. T-Sized says, Happy New Year, Phils. Uh, I think he said Phyllis. Happy New Year, Phyllis. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, thoughts on Boss Chorus and Super Chorus. And the original Floyd Rose versus the Goto GE uh, 1996T. Um, I like, well, I'm going to do it out of order. I like the Goto um, over the Floyd Rose, the original Floyd Rose. Uh, why? I don't know. <laughs> There's no no reason. I have both. And when I say 
prefer. Um, it, it's as simple as like, if you gave me an option, like if I was having a guitar built or if I was building a guitar and you said, which bridge would you use? I would use the Godot. Um, but if you said this guitar comes with original Floyd Rose, I'd be like, that's fine. I have both and I like both. Um, so there's no real reasoning for that in any way other than just, uh, you know, I like the Godot product line. Um, I've said this before. The reason I like Godot is because Godot has one, one line of quality. So the original Floyd Rose, the way most people perceive it, it's going to be made by Schaller in Germany. And then there's Floyd Roses that are made in Korea. And then there's this whole discussion about what's a good Floyd Rose. And when this, this is not a real Floyd Rose. This is the Floyd Rose that's like a junkie Floyd Rose. That stuff sucks to talk about. So I like it when, when you know, I, I like it when a company makes like, we make this product. This is how we make it. This is the level of quality we do. And we don't have versions of that. And it just makes my life easy. Um, like I, I, I don't have to be like, oh, is the, is the Floyd Rose special good? Is the special too good? Is the one thousand good? Is the original good? You know, and so I, that's what it is. But I, I like um, the original Floyd Rose, and I like the Godo as well. Um, on the Boss Chorus versus Super Chorus, uh, I don't have specific thoughts on either one being like that I prefer one or the other. I guess I'd prefer the super chorus. I'm trying to remember which one I end up liking the most. It's the problem for me is I don't use chorus very often. So chorus is one of those things for some reason. Um, I want to love chorus, but I'm, it's a generational thing. It's like all the eighties ballad band, you know, eighties ballads had so much chorus in it after a while. I was like, I'm okay. Chorus is a very 80s sound. Even though when I think of chorus, I still think of like, all kinds of stuff, you know, newer stuff, older stuff. I just don't use a whole lot of chorus in the sound. Um, my favorite chorus sound, though, if that helps, is, is when Zach Wilde uses chorus for distortion to get that thick kind of sound. I love that. But I'd say out of the two pedals, I like the super chorus more. Um, Craig says, Happy New Year. After all the after all the sales this time of year, is it better to wait a while or list to list secondhand gear? Okay. So, uh, that's a great question. Sure. Of course. Um, you're in, you're in Australia. So remember, I don't un, un, know the Australian market at all. <laughs> so, um, but I can only, I can, I'll speak to my market and hopefully your, your market's like, um, the sales this year were aggressive. So, you know, I ended up buying another guitar, uh, last week. Uh, same thing. I actually sent a store an email saying, Hey, uh, there was a guitar and <laughs> I, I'm not, uh, I was, I, I'm in shock by the way. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the guitar because I'm actually gonna do a video of it. It wasn't a guitar I meant to do a video of. It's a personal guitar. I have a guitar I'm getting rid of and I'm getting a new guitar. And that's kind of the, you know, the way things work. So what's funny was I reached out and I said, Hey, are you going to be having any January sales or anything? You know, I'm just thinking about getting this guitar and like I told you guys, that's how I talk. I always add the feeler like, Hey, I'm, I'm interested. I'm an interested buyer do you have any incentives to buy? And they said, yeah, we can make you a deal right now. And I go, okay. And they said, where do you live? And I said, Arizona, 85212 is my zip code. And they go, okay. And they came back and it was like, we'll do 15% off and no sales tax. And I'm like, holy crap, you just said the magic. I got to buy it right now. Uh, Cause that's essentially 20, almost 25% off if you think about it. 
right? Um, and so I bought it. <laughs> it was no question like, okay, I'll think about it in January. I'm like, done, I'm sold. So yes, to answer your question, the deals are out there and that's the deals you're seeing. But keep in mind, there are deals to be had if you ask. You should always be asking for a deal like I did. It was perfect. You know, obviously, the store was not offended in any way and the price they gave me was their price. I didn't even tell them what I wanted to pay. Um, in fact, I was hoping to get 10% off. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, 10% off should get me tax out the door. So the price listed on the website, if I could get that delivered for that price, I think I'm going to have to buy this guitar. And so when they basically said, this is the price, which was 15% off. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, 15% off plus the tax. And they're like, mm, no sales tax. This is the price. So essentially, like I said, 25% off. I was like, whoa, okay, cool. So obviously they wanted to move that guitar. I, like I said, I had a store for 13 years. I know what that feels like. They have a guitar and it's end of year and they want it gone. So the deals are out there and they're aggressive. So, um, so if you're looking for deals, there it is. Do those deals, the part of your question is, do, do those deals affect the used gear? If you're going to list used gear, they absolutely do. This is not the time to sell, sell your secondhand gear. If you don't have to, um, I suggest that if you want to get good money for your secondhand gear, you definitely want to be in the long game. You want to list it for the price that you think is reasonable. And keep in mind, you're not going to get premium pricing. That's not the market you're in right now. And you're going to have to wait if you're not going to give somebody a deal because somebody is going to give them a deal right now. Um, there's a lot of guitars that want to look the, 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 um, the holiday market was very simple. A lot of guitars were sold a lot, a lot of amps, a lot of pedals that sold, 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 but at, big discounts and incentives. So yeah, uh, Michael says my local store is 20% off new, 15% off used until the end of December. And then in January, those sales will probably continue. Like I said, everybody's trying to right size their inventory is the correct term, right? It's like when they tell you like, we're just right sizing people. We're not laying people off, but it's a positive way of saying they got to get rid of all their crap. <laughs> they got to right size their inventory. Uh, and that is a lot of manufacturers and a lot of stores. There's just, this is not the inventory level that you guys want to have. Um, and so they're going to do that. My guess is regardless of what the market or the economy does, until that inventory is right sized, there is going to be deals for everyone. Okay. But once the inventory is corrected, in other words, where they feel like, because again, their incentive is they're not going to like, especially if you're talking high-end guitars, they're not going to blow out high-end guitars if it takes them two years to get another one in stock. It's not going to make any sense. They need stuff to sell too. Um, and we know all the boat guitars is what I'm calling them now, which is the, not like boat, like a boat anchor, but boat, like they came on a boat, <laughs> uh, like, cause they were shipped from, from Asia. They, that stuff was a, you know, a glut. It's just, there's just so much of those guitars. They got to get through that stuff. Um, so, so I would say if you have to sell your guitars, um, and this is excluding you have something highly desirable. Okay. I mean, the reality is this, um, guitars, uh, you know, some people will say the market's really soft and it is, uh, and some people say that you can get what you want for any price and you can, but you can go on reverb right now and I can show you 20 guitars that are just as expensive as they were three years ago and no one's budging on the prices because they don't have to. If you're, if there's one for sale on reverb, trust me, no one's giving that away to you. But if there's 500 of them 
um, which is essentially how you can really gauge the market now. It's really sad. The average consumer now has as much information to gauge where the guitar market is as anybody else. It's very simple to do. Let me show you if you haven't done it. It's so easy. Please, for the people that are like, this is so dumb and easy, you, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> if you need to do it, do it. And if you don't know to do it, do it. Okay, so go here. So what we want to do, remind me, remind me later, later, OBS wants to know if I want to upgrade. Um, go to Reverb and uh, let's type in a guitar. Um, let's see, uh, let's see a, a guitar that's cool. Um, I should have thought of a guitar first. Let's, uh, oh, you know what we should do? Uh, here's a good one. Um, let's do, uh, I was looking at EVH Wolfgang's. Okay. So let's type in EVH Wolfgang because obviously if we remember when we lost Eddie, which was horrible. Um, okay. We're not even going to look at new. We just want to look at used 409 results for used guitars. Now, we already know some of these are going to be a lie. Some of these are going to be new guitars listed as used because the retailer wants to get rid of them. Some of them are used. I would say a lot of these file pictures are uh, used mint. Let's take a look at this. This is just, anytime I see a file photo picture. Uh, so who's, oh yeah, it's Pro Audio Star. This is new. Sorry, Pro Audio Star in Brooklyn. Uh, Pro Audio Star, if you don't know, is a very good retailer to buy from if you really want deals. Uh, Pro Audio Star is uh, there's a ton of them that are always just blowing out guitars because uh, they got they just buy a lot of inventory. So they're listing this as used as mint. Let's go back and uh, let's look at the description. Show more manufacturer warranty does not apply. Oh, so see they're flat out saying that. But see why would they say that if it was used, right? Um, my guess is, and I've already told you, that's not how this works. Um, uh, I, I'm telling you uh, for a fact that if this guitar was sold to them as a new product, let me let me just explain this to you guys. If this product was sold to Pro Audio Star as a new product by FMIC, which is who who sells and distributes EVH products, if it was sold to them new as as a as a dealer as a new product. And that dealer sells it to you. You're getting a warranty whether they listed it as used or not. I already told you because that's kind of how Fender is going to look at that. They, you bought it new, especially if it's never been sold before. Um, now, they could say it's a store demo, but it's a demo not used. They're going to list it as used because, again, they don't need grief from Fender and all those guys for breaking the map um, you know, for the dealers. Now, again, I could be wrong on this particular scenario, but I don't think I am. Um, so, so there you go. Let me go back to me. Okay, so... Um, what I'm saying is, is that if you're going to try to sell your EVH Wolfgang because you're like, you know, you bought one, uh, you got, you know, and now you want to get rid of it. There's 409 people on Reverb right now trying to sell that same basic same guitar. And that's what you want to think about. That's how you, that's how you, you don't even have to guess. And I understand, and think of this, that's not counting Craigslist and offer up on Facebook and, and, uh, and uh, the gear exchange from Sweetwater and eBay. I mean, geez Louise, we're just talking about just on reverb. That guitar, 400. And that may not sound like a lot. That's a lot of guitars, <laughs> okay? So there's 400, 400 guitars available for sale in the um, in the U.S. And if you do this, when, I, when I'm sh showing you, go on reverb and type in just use to see what the used competition is if you're trying to sell a guitar. That's what you want to look at when you're selling a your guitar. Not, not like people look at, the reverb will tell you like, these guitars are selling between three and $600. And you're like, okay, you try to guess your price. But really what you want to know is how many people are selling the same thing I am 
right? And like I said, if you have a unique color, a unique model, maybe then you um, you can, you know, ha you have an edge. But if you have a, the same, the most popular color one and there's 44, just 40, think about that, just 40 selling exactly like yours for sale on Reverb. If I'm on there looking on Reverb and I'm in the market for one, I mean, like, there's 40 to choose from. I'm going to pick the best deal, the closest to me. There's a lot of sorting things, right? So now this isn't to disparage you and think like you got to rock bottom your price because there's other reasons why people make decisions like this, especially on reverb and stuff. Um, sometimes people are, uh, guitar players don't want, like if you live in California, they don't want a guitar shipped all the way from New York because they don't want their guitar to be, not only do they not want to wait, wait a week, they're nervous that a guitar goes in the mail for a week. That that's, that happens. There's 1,100 of you hanging out right now. I can guarantee you there's a percentage of you right now that are like that. They're like, don't don't like that, <laughs> right? Um, I, I remember I've, I, 13 years I sold guitars to people, one, 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 one on one. I've heard all the weird ways that people like and don't like to buy things. I've, I've been told, you know, I couldn't tell you on on my hands and toes how many times a, a customer was like, okay, I'm buying a guitar from you. And uh, <clears throat> it was like a Friday and they go, okay, but don't ship it till Monday. I don't want my guitar to leave your store and then sit in a warehouse somewhere. I want it constantly moving. So don't move it until Monday. And I'm like, okay, we'll ship it on Monday, right? It's a very understandable request. Um, so, so basically, like I said, you got to look at where the comp competition is. And right now it's pretty heavy. So... Uh, if you don't have to sell your gear, I wouldn't do it. And if you do, uh, hopefully, you know, you can wait until you get the right price and, you know, and wait. Um, and also you can position yourself. I'll tell you what I do that help. And maybe this helps you guys. I usually don't have a thing I want to sell. I have like a bunch of things I got to sell, like 10 things or five things. So I'm like, okay, because I just wait over time. This stuff gathers up and then I'll go. I'll do exactly what I just told you. I'll go look to see what what's what of those things would probably get me the best bang for my time to sell. Like this will get me a, a good dollar amount and it'll flip fast and I'll, we'll, we'll get rid of that and sit on the rest to another time. So, uh, so there you go. That's the, um, uh, that's my suggestion. Like I said, that's, and that's what I look at. And then you can do that for new guitars too. Same thing. Like, here's a good example. Let's go back to it because we were kind of doing that. Hold on. I have so many screens up. This is going to be problematic if I don't fix it. Um, let's, uh, l here's a good example. Let me tell you what I just, what I ended up just buying, right? Let me go to the web and I did the uh, EVH LBX. And it's kind of funny. Uh, this is actually cool because I have a little funny story. Dash S. Not dash two, dash S. Okay. So this is the product. There's 59 of them. I don't want a used one. At least I didn't want one. Oh, I don't know why I just did that. I only want brand new. Okay. Oh, let's fix that. Don't want that. Okay. 40. There were 40 for sale. Okay. So, um, I told you guys, 749 is what they're asking. I paid 629 for mine, brand new. Okay. Now, here's what's interesting. Only because of two things happen. It's kind of funny. I'm going to click on this one. Just random. Cause I don't know who's selling. This is Zounds. So Zounds is selling this. Okay. And like I told you, when I went to buy this, I clicked on it and I go, well, there's 40 for sale. So there's, I mean, 40 retailers want to sell this right now. I don't know how many they sell in a day or in a week, but I don't think they sell 
40 of these a day. <laughs> I don't think they sell 40 of these a week. So what I did was I picked a bunch and I clicked on them. Let me go back to it. And here's one, clicked on it. And this one was Ken Station Music. So um, this isn't one I picked, but you can click here and you can go hit watch. What I ended up doing was I ended up picking for some reason like this one. Who is this? Tweet Hut Music? See, I didn't get any of these. All I got was all these generic. Oh, Reverb Bump. So that's probably Motor City Guitars. And so I picked like a bunch and a lot of them were for me were like Sweetwater. There was, they were on there. There's True Tone Music. There was Musician's Friend. Like if I click that one, it's Musician's Friend. That's Music Store Live. Music Store Live, by the way, Music Store Live. And what's the other company are the same, basically same company. Um, oh, the Guitar Factory. That's not the, they're not the same as Music Store Live. Um, but anyways, what I did was I, I go, there's 40 for sale. So I'm not just going to buy one. That doesn't make any sense. So I clicked watch on a bunch. And um, this is what's funny. Uh, the Music Zoo and Musician's Friend, Sam Ash and somebody else. Uh, was, oh, Guitar Center. Guitar Center, Musician's Friend, Music Zoo, and Sam Ash all sent me offers. Um, funny enough, Musician's Friend and Guitar Center, same company, sent me the lowest offer, which was $6.29 or something like that. And Music Zoo, which is a more of a mom and pop size store, sent me $6.79 versus $7.49. I sent Music Zoo, even though I don't really consider them a small mom and pop, they're still, you know, not a corporate type business. I sent them an email saying, um, can you match $6.29? They said no. So I sent $6.29 to Sweetwater to my rep and said, can you match $6.29? He goes, we'll do $6.26. I don't know why he did $6.26, but that's what he did. Um, and that's, oh, uh, by the way, on a side note, when I said Music Store Live is the same as, um, thank you, uh, the bone box has Pitbull. Pitbull Audio and Music Store Live are now the same company. So they're, they're run independently, like Musician Friend Guitar Center, but they're the same company. So anyways, um, that's how I got Sweetwater. Somebody put in the comments when I told that story, by the way, somebody's like, oh, so you basically didn't want, you just screwed over the mom and pops and bought from a corporate? And I'm like, well, actually, no, I was trying to give the money to a mom and pop, but the mom and pop wouldn't honor the pricing. And I'm not, and, and um, I, I don't want to uh, misguide anyone over my years of telling you how I think you should support mom and pops. Let me explain something on the mom and pop thing that I probably didn't make clear. So I want to make it clear to you now. I will support a mom and pop before a larger company anytime I can, as long as it's the same. I'm not going to spend more money at the mom and pop um, unless that mom and pop's helping my personal economy, which is my neighborhood or city. So yes, would I go to my local store that pays for my kids' schools and my roads and and my police, uh, will I support them and give them what I've given a local mom and pop the 679 over 629? Yeah, I make that decision all the time. I do it all the time. I'll go, yeah. So I'll go, I go to, I take it so seriously that my wife and I go to mom and pop restaurants over chain restaurants because chain restaurants funnel my money out of my, uh, more of that money out of the neighborhood economy than a mom and pop. Doesn't mean I'm boycotting or having any opinions, but I per prefer my, my economy because supporting a small business is not only supporting a small business, it's supporting my neighborhood, my economy, my city. But a mom and pop in New York or Nebraska, I could give a rat's ass uh, about supporting them, paying them more money than a 
corporation because at this point I like the idea of helping a mom and pop. That's why I try to give them the business. But the benefit is only that in my the swelling of my heart knowing I did good to help a smaller business is nice, but I'm not going to give up my money to do that. So if that upsets anyone, I'm sorry, but that's what I think. So once I couldn't give my money to a mom and pop or get a mom and pop to match a, the best price I could find, then I'm just going to get my best price. Like I said, unless, of course, there's an incentive, which is some of that money can funnel back to my community, which is what I care about. Everybody's going to have different opinions about that, but I just want to be clear because I do support, like I said, I love supporting mom and pops over bigger com companies, and that's why I always talk about it on the show, but that is the order in which I kind of prioritize my uh, my spending. I hope that makes sense. Um, see, somebody says, Mike, at Flipside, perfect example, right? Uh, Flipside Music if you know if they if you can s s support flipside music great especially if you live in colorado even better yeah brian says you made an attempt it, exactly i and i was up front i said this is who's uh, offering me and i just wanted to, i didn't say beat it i just said match it you know it's tough i get it like i said i did it for 13 years i know what sucks and what's good about it <laughs> uh, some of it sucks and some it's good slush ball 45 i think this is another oh wow thank you uh, he says, give this to Brian S. Okay. sounds like he feels unappreciation is strapped for cash. I will, I will take care of Brian S. I'll make a note for Shauna to do something. So I know she does something for the moderators every year. I asked her what she was doing this year for the moderators. And then she said she does it in January. I, I, so I don't know. We'll see. I've been trying to, I've been trying to figure out what the moderators, uh, uh what she's going to do for them. Uh, so NYC geology says Wampler Triumph or EQ'd special cranker for an AC-15 uh, with a McCarty. Looking for that heavier Jimmy Eat world tone. First of all, I don't know. Oh, Earthquaker devices. So I have never played any Earthquaker devices pedal except for one. And when I was part of, remember when Sweetwater did that, Rob Scallon did the largest pedal board in the world record, record books. I think it's still the, the biggest pedal board ever made in the world record books. They asked me to help promote the world record. Uh, so uh, obviously me, there was like 50 boards. So 50 channels did it because they sent them to 50 channels or maybe they gave some away. And then anyways, they sent me a board. And on that pedal board was one Earthquaker device pedal. That was the only pedal I tried. And I don't remember what it was because it was a couple years ago. So I've never... I've never played any Earthquaker devices pedals besides that one. I have a video coming very soon, uh, very, very soon. It's my favorite pedals of all time. And in that video, you're probably gonna sadly figure out why. I'm not on those lists of channels that get all the pedals sent to them and stuff, so I don't do a whole lot of pedal reviews. I don't actively buy a lot of pedals. I only buy a few here and theirs. Uh, and so, and most of my pedals I've had since before I had this channel or the very beginning of the channel and I've just stuck with them. There's just pedals I tried and true and I love. So you'll see what my favorite pedals are. Any thoughts on the Harley Benton tube amp head and cabinet and just a brand and, and just the brand in general. So I saw what you're uh, talking about. Harley Benton released some tube amplifiers. Um, and my opinion of Harley Benton is, has been very consistent, which is um, they're very good for the price. That's their, that's their claim to fame. Um, you know, uh, I don't think anyone has any, oh no, I know people do. I don't think you should have delusions about what Harley Benton is. It is a very aggressively priced product and their whole focus is on price. Uh, Harley Benton is a company that definitely, um, you know, it, 
it literally encaps encapsulates. I don't know if that's the right word. Let's see what the phrase I want to try to say. It definitely is a company that is more focused on a price than it is on the product itself. In other words, it's like we need a a pedal for ninety nine dollars. We need a guitar for two hundred dollars. We need an amp for three hundred dollars. And then they focus on how to get that price, a product in that price category. Um, and they do it very well. In fact, they do it well much better than most companies because Tolman, uh, I say it that way on Friday, Tolman has uh, massive, massive money, a massive budget and massive um, ability to, um, to basically get that, make that happen. And they can buy the volume. I've said this before. I've heard tons of stories and uh, everybody has an opinion about what Harley Benton is and isn't, but I can tell you this, they are a massive giant in purchasing. Anyone in the industry knows, especially if you watch Josh Scott and he's explained how Behringer works and how the business model of basically buying so much stuff that they become the supplier of that stuff. When you buy so much of something that initially you just buy the supplier and then everybody has to buy that product from you. Toman's not there yet, but that's where Parley Benton could end up being. Um, it's just, they buy huge volume and they really are not focused on a huge margin. It's very uh, low margins and uh, they're looking for lots of turns. They got to move the inventory. And part of their reason, so you know, and I've had these talks with them in the past, is that they really need to move the inventory because they buy so much of it. So they, that's why they pr price aggressively. I haven't tried any of your amps. My guess is their amps are essentially in the same core as like Behringer and which is Bujera and stuff like that, where yeah, you're more likely to have a problematic issue. In other words, the amp could have an issue because it's inexpensive stuff. That's the world of inexpensive stuff. I mean, if you buy a guitar for $199, $199, it's possible you're going to get a great guitar, but it's also possible you're going to have some issues. If you buy an amp for 200 bucks, you could get a great amp, but you can also possibly have some issues. I mean, that's what happens when they're buying a lot of something and trying to make it as cheap as possible. The good news is uh, you should get good return policies, especially if you're in your Europe and if you can buy it on Reverb now. I think uh, Harley Benton has a store on Reverb and then you're a little covered on that too. And that's my opinions on Harley Benton as a whole is what it does. It's it's just a company slapping a brand on a product and they make a ton of them. Uh, Guitar Man says, question whether... Gibson forbids Long and McQuaid from discounting new guitars in Canada. Long and McQuaid claims so. This is a thing that retailers have done for many years, and I have been very confused by it. But I will give you an answer that is um, not only truthful but super accurate. And I'm saying that because this this is where um, I don't I I can everybody's going to have an opinion about it, but I'm telling you this is how it works. So the way MAP works, I don't care if you're in Canada, I don't care if you're in Europe and the US, Every there's laws that apply that are applied by those governments, but I'm talking about how the companies mandate things. If you have a law that says a certain thing, that law will supersede what these companies are doing and saying. A company like Long & McQuaid, which is uh, for those in the US, that's like Guitar Center for Canada, okay? It's just a big chain of, of stores. I, uh, please don't take any negatives from that. It's just, I'm just trying to give you the scale of it. Gibson mandates, they'll say, Gibson mandates a lot of things to the dealers. They'll say, look, if you want to carry Gibson, you have to carry so much of it. So there's a buy-in. Um, back when I was a Gibson dealer, it was $80,000 a year and it was four installments of $20,000. So I had to do $20,000 order up front, $20,000 worth of in-stock stuff. And I had a certain percentage that was going to be Epiphone, a certain percentage that was parts and a certain percentage that was Gibson. And then I had to schedule out three more $20,000 orders 
to do the $80,000 requirement. I was able to do more than that if I wanted to, but not less than that. That's what it took to be a Gibson dealer. I have heard a gazillion stories. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Things could have changed since when I've done that. So if somebody has an, a, a different story post 2000, let's say 16, 17, I, I'm sure they're right. But if they're saying that, you know, when I was a dealer in 2000. 2005 to 2017 that's not how it was well then i have the documents downstairs in in my filing cabinet to show exactly what my requirements were to be a fender dealer and all this stuff this is what the requirements were so that's what it was to require to be a gibson plus of course the blessing of gibson to even sell you this stuff just because you had eighty thousand dollars worth orders doesn't even mean they would give it to you but if you got blessed to be a gibson dealer this is what it, it would require of you to to have to 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 do i guess okay now in that you're going to have all kinds of requirements on you and one of them is the map so you're not allowed to advertise a price lower than their map policy so you cannot advertise it you can't put an ad anywhere you can't do any of that in your store you can do whatever you want they cannot dictate to you what you do in the store okay however the store, if a store says, man, I can't discount to you. And so, you know, the reason I know that is because there was companies that had exceptions to that. Zahn Basis, if you guys remember Zahn, <laughs> Zahn had it written in his contract that not only did you, ha is you, have, you, have, you have to follow map, um, they, they had, what is the other term? There's another term besides map, but it's like something AP and it means like you can't break the price. And that's what he said. So basically what Zahn would do is if you let's say a base was three thousand dollars and i sold it for twenty four hundred dollars if a customer called him up and said oh i have an issue with the base any warranty he'd be like oh i need your original receipt this shows that you bought it from a legitimate dealer and you paid the full price and if you didn't pay the full price you don't get a warranty right um you're like what <laughs> so um now what do dealers do uh dealers can do whatever they want some dealers would be like hey i'm gonna make you a deal but if you tell the tell the manufacturer you pay the full price that's their ethics i don't know um but here's back to map you can't you can't um you can't advertise a discount price but you can give that price but this is i'll tell you this is how i, I know this because i'm gonna tell you a true story so a a customer came in my store once this was paul reed smith it's a paul reed smith has the same identical policy as fender and gibson when it comes to map Okay, they they want you to advertise nothing less than the price that they put as the minimum. Okay, what happened with Paul Reed Smith is I did not violate map, but I created a problem that was hell for everyone. And here's what happened: a guy came in my store, pointed at a PRS hollow. Ironically, it was a PRS hollow body. No, it was a 513. PRS 513 in blue Mateo. He says, "I want that guitar." This guy just, that, that's literally how it happened. He walks in my store. He doesn't even look at me. He goes, I want that guitar. And I said, okay. And he goes, what's the best deal you can do for me right now? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't even remember what I did. I probably did like 15% off, <laughs> right? It's a $3,000 guitar, $3,000 guitar. I make $900. So I'm like, you know, maybe I make a thousand dollars. So I make a thousand dollars and I go, uh, $500 off. Right. Cause I'm gonna make 500 bucks. This is, I mean, it's cash in hand. He's going to give me, I'm going to make $500 and I'll take, and plus the money that I'm churning. In other words, the money, the other 2000, the cost of the guitar. And I'll send that to PRS and order another guitar. And that lets me, I'll flip another guitar. It's a great, it's a great world. And he goes, I'll take it. And I go, okay. So I wrote it up and it was that easy. And why did I do it? Because it's that easy. I made $500 in five seconds. I have worked much harder for much less. So I then get a phone call 
two hours later and it's my PRS rep and he is losing his mind because what really happened that I didn't know was that customer went to Sam Ash, the Sam Ash that's in Glendale, Arizona. They went to Sam Ash, they looked at that guitar and they said, what's your best price? And Sam Ash said, um, exactly what you're saying. Long and McQuaid said, our best price is $3,000 and PRS will kill our children if we discount it. They didn't say that, I'm doing dramatic effect. They said that, that we cannot discount this guitar per the holy policies of Paul Reed Smith. This guy apparently gets in his car, gets on his phone and looks up PRS dealers and he sees me. Okay. So he drives to the side of town. He walks in my store. I have the guitars because we had like 20 of them in stock or 18 of them in stock that day. He sees the one he wants and he points at it and he buys it. That should have been the end of the story. But what he does is he takes the guitar and the receipt and he drives all the way back. If anyone lives in, in Phoenix, I want you to understand my store is in Chandler and they're in Glendale. So this guy went from Glendale to Chandler back to Glendale. Maybe he lived in Glendale. Maybe that makes more sense in the story. But either way, he went all the way across the side of the town. He walked into Sam Ash, showed him the guitar and the receipt and goes, aha, I got it for 2,500 bucks. Screw you. I don't think he said screw you, but he definitely told him that because they lost their mind and they called PRS and threw a fit that I undercut them. Why? Not because I think they were petty or they were mad. I think because they have a guy in there busting their balls. What happens to my rep is he's got Sam Ash, not the Sam Ash, but Sam Ash the store complaining to him that I'm uh, selling this guitar dirt cheap and violating map. Now here's where the story gets interesting. I didn't violate map. He was in my store and he goes, yeah, but he took your receipt to the other store and it's in written on paper. Now, don't get me wrong. PRS is not that crazy. They're not going to go, that's an ad now. His argument was interesting. He said, what happens if that guy bought the guitar, took it to Sam Ash and said, now price match this? Because you said you'll meet anybody's advertised price and I have a receipt showing it's advertised. We had a whole discussion about this. I like to, like I said, I don't want to, I'm doing dramatic effect because I like the story, but I don't want you to think anybody got in trouble. I didn't get in trouble. Sam Ash didn't cause any drama and PRS didn't have any issues with me as a dealer or anything. It just happens, right? You got to understand, I have a relationship with my rep. He's just like, God, Phil, what is he up to now? Am I saying that Long and Quaid's like, they're not going to discount it because you might tell on them? <laughs> to another store screaming. I don't know. But what I'm saying is no, as far as I know, there is no policy that prevents Long and McQuaid from giving you a discount. There's just a policy that stops you from advertising a bit, but they may decide as a company that this is not worth discounting because sometimes that happens, I guess, because that happened to me as a dealer. It happened. It's not like a scenario I dreamed up. It's just that this guy decided to tell another dealer that he got a better deal, <laughs> right? So, um, but that answers your question and also gives you some insight on why they may act in the way. It might be not so nefarious as they just want to give you a deal, don't want to give you a deal. But like I said, as far as I, my understanding of MAP and the contracts that I have signed in the past from manufacturers and how MAPs work, MAP does not prevent you from making any personal deals with customers um, at all. There you go. We'll end on that note. And plus that was kind of a funny story because I forgot how crazy that situation was. I forgot the guy was, that guy was weird. <laughs> I was, so, you know, I'd love to tell you that I had myself put together and I had all these, uh, uh, but when the rep called me, I was so in shock that what just happened, especially since the guy had just left my store. <laughs> right? Like I, I was like an hour, two hours later. I'm like, 
didn't I just sell this guy a guitar? How is how is Sam Ashton? What's going on? Because the guy never gave me the heads up like another dealer wouldn't give him a discount. He just bought the guitar and left. In the end of it, I'm just going to tell you as a retailer, all I thought was I got the sale, right? My kids uh, paid my kids uh, braces. And uh, ultimately, that's the that's the gig if you're in that business is to sell a guitar, make a customer happy, and then put braces on your kids, apparently, because both my kids had braces. So I thought I'd give a little bonus to the listening audience. Uh, I can't do this for the video audience because the video is just on YouTube as the way it sits. But this, when I was putting this together for the audio uh, broadcast, um, after the show that Friday, uh, my wife is a moderator, so she watches the whole show. And uh, when I got downstairs and... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I saw her. She said, you know, you told that story about the guy and that PRS, but there was some things that you missed, which is funny because I, I, it hit me like right away. I'm like, oh yeah, I missed a few things. So um, what's funny is I, uh, I did discount the guitar for him, but I'd also like to point out what happened was he, he didn't come in and ask me um, what price I wanted. He came in and he pointed at the guitar and he said, will you do this guitar for $2,500? Uh, she's like, remember, he told you the price. And then I said, yeah, I can do that. And then he said, interestingly enough, we had a PRS SE. I think it was a custom 24, but I don't know what it was. It was an SE though. And it was also in a blue. And he goes, and I want to get that one for my wife. Will you price match that one as well? And it was the discount whatever the discount was, um, which is like, I think it was like 15% off or something. And I said, sure. And the interesting part of the story was, so he bought two guitars from me. So I, I don't know, uh, you know, I should have mentioned this. I just forgot about it. And why that is even funnier, and it tells you why sometimes it's a retail lesson, is that uh, when he bought the two guitars, if you do the math, really what I did was he bought a core and I gave him the SE for free. So if you take the discount of what he got on the core and the discount on the SE, it was the exact amount of the SE. So it's like a, basically he bought a core and he got an SE free. Why that is funny was the SE that he particularly pointed at, we had got, got for free. Um, we had bought a deal where we, if we bought 16 Paul Reed Smith SEs, we would get one for free on the NAM special. So that one was sitting on our wall for free. Now, so, <laughs> so what's funny was, is basically I gave up the free guitar we got from PRS and I got the full boat for the core in, in the way that it mathematically works out. But to the consumer, he got two guitars at a massive discount. And then he went to Sam Ash with the receipts and, uh, and he did. So everything I told you was accurate in the story, except for I forgot he had got the SE as well. And I forgot it worked out a little financially better for us because of the fact that the SE uh, was part of a discount deal we did where we bought a bunch of SEs. So that'd be a fun little tidbit to add to you. All right, guys, as always, I want to thank you so much for listening to these broadcasts. Uh, You guys have been amazing. I'm looking forward to a great 2024 and uh, some new changes on the show starting uh, the first episode in 2024 that I'm excited about. And uh, as always, I just want to thank you for your time. Till the next time. Know your gear.